0: This podcast is produced by Unedited
1: A lot of people look at it as a mum and dad issue, a relationship issue whereas if you've grown up seeing domestic violence as a child it teaches you about relationships, it teaches you about the world and how it looks to them and it can affect everything as as you grow up
2: Hi guys, it's your girl Anika and welcome to episode three of the Black Magic podcast. In each episode, I bring together two guests and talk to them about the challenges that they've overcome. Later on, you're going to hear from Black Magic honoree, Angela Griffin. But right now, I'm joined by counsellor and coaching expert, Kareen Daniels, and childhood domestic violence and mental support worker, Natasha Benjamin. Let's start with you, Kareen. So why did you want to get into this sort of work? Hmm.
3: Um, I remember growing up and always into. I was always into psychology, and I remember saying, "Oh, I'm going to, you know, do a psychology at university." And I never really knew why. Um, and then life happened, and I, 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 left that behind. I got into finance um, because I just needed a job, and I just stayed with that, and I, I got stuck into that, and life happened I had some kids I got married um, and then I got uh, I moved to Canada and then I got laid off and it was like a turning point for me what do I do now Um, and I fell into depression it hit me like a ton of bricks and it was it was huge Um, and I just remember not being able to move and I remember at that point my life was going to change And um, I went to counselling and I was trying to figure out what was going on with me. And I realised it was bigger than my job. It Mm. was to do with my history. Um, I was abused as a child Mm -hmm. by a family member um, from the ages of eight to, I would say, about 13. So it's about five years. And I thought it was behind me and I thought that it wasn't affecting me. But yet there was so much things going on in my life that um, I began to tie it into. My childhood experience yeah um and then i had my own personal journey of healing and i decided that i wanted to help other people in my in my same situation um and i learned so much along the way about how it affects you and other people around you um and i actually um so i dealt with it really late and um i said you know what? i want to help people get this early so that they can enjoy their lives the way that we all should and the way that we deserve to
2: Wow, this is incredible. I mean, I'm definitely going to delve deeper into that (laughs) in a bit, but just touching on your saying that you want to get people to deal with it earlier, I guess Mm -hmm. that's what you're doing because everything you're focused on is is what young people are doing and and experiencing and seeing within the home, uh, if they've experienced and seen domestic violence. So, I mean, what made you want to kind of deal with young people because it's such a big area when it comes to domestic violence, when you think about relationships and, you know, whether it's, um, I guess, you know, if, if people... Are in and I guess that's the first thing people think of when you think of domestic violence, Absolutely. you think of abuse within a relationship rather yeah. than actually what the kids are seeing.
1: Well, I got into this area of work because I it's it's kind of a similar story. I grew up in that environment myself as a child, um, for um, from the age of seven till I was 11. So that for me it, it was. An absolute, tra- you know, it was complete, a completely traumatic time. It 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 kind of overshadowed my whole childhood. And the reason why um, I picked this area was because of my experience, but also because there are so many people that don't acknowledge growing up that way because. Um, as I said, um, a lot of people look at it as a mom and dad issue, a relationship issue. Whereas, if you've grown up seeing domestic violence as a child, it teaches you about relationships. It teaches teaches you about people. It teaches you about the world and how it looks to mm. to, to them. And it can it can affect everything as as you grow up. And um, it's about changing that narrative and saying children are massively affected by these situations
2: as well. So could you, I mean, if you don't mind, could you tell me some of the things you saw growing up?
1: Yeah, um, well, um, it would be from him just having a bad day because it it wasn't my dad to just put that out there. It was a stepfather, which is very typical in domestic violence, actually. Um, But um, so he would... Come home, and he he might have had a bad day. He might not have, but he would take take that out on us. He'd come in, he'd smash something, and immediately just start laying into my mum. And then I would immediately get involved because it was it was kind. Even though I was really scared. My first instinct was to protect my mum.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, other things were him. He was a very evil man. Very evil man. He would do things like switch the gas on and go out for the day and we would be asleep and we'd wake up and the whole house you'd smell it and I guess his his idea was he wanted to kill us I have no idea why he was like this but um it was it was lots of different experiences of that um you know even to the point where when we actually fled he tried to kidnap me from school to get back up my mum for fleeing so we went through a lot so this is why it's so important to acknowledge the, ki- the kids because if you've grown up seeing this type of thing absolute, you're going to be absolutely traumatised as, as I was yeah. and um, so many children grow up seeing this so it's important that they, um, their trauma is addressed and that they, um, they are looked after and they get the support that they need
2: Definitely, well, and looking at you now, I and mean, you've got this big, beautiful smile, and you know, you can seem happy. <laughs> and so, I guess it's taken, a, has it taken yeah. a lot for you to get to this point? Massively.
1: I mean, I, I did a talk the other day, and I said to them, it, even up till this year, it's it's been a point of healing and and, and unlearning because the thing about healing and 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 the journey of of that is. You always think that you're you're there until you meet a trigger, and the trigger says, "No, no, no," <laughs> it sets you off and then you think, "Oh my God, I thought I was okay, mm. I thought I was you know I was healed, or I thought nothing could affect me anymore, and that one thing comes along and 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 takes you straight back there, yeah, and so you have to you have to look at that trigger and think, you know, why is why has that got to me? Now I have to unlearn something and now I have to look at that again and heal. It's a long road.
2: Yeah. I guess when you're dealing with kind of mental health, we've all got to deal with mental health in some capacity and it's going to be a long road for, for everybody just to kind of stay, I guess sane and happy within yeah. within life and then when you have certain things that arise to kind of take you off that path then it's knowing how to cope and how to deal with it okay. When you were talking about triggers it, when it made me think, like mm-hmm. you were saying that how, Karine, how um, you um, you thought you'd dealt with it, you thought you'd put it in the past mm-hmm. but then did something trigger trigger I guess you off to make you start mm-hmm. thinking about what happened mm-hmm. to you as, um, as a, a child, mm-hmm. as a teenager again.
3: Yeah, relationship Okay. Um, I, I'm a firm believer in, um, you know, when you do have relationships, that is the time where you really experience a lot of triggers. Because mm-hmm. when you think about as you, when you're a child growing up, um, you have your caregivers around you. You have the people that um, are helping you to form your beliefs about yourself, about others. So when you get into these relationships, you know how are you dealing with that relationships? usually based off something that you've seen in the mm. past and then sometimes um, like for me personally um, I'm going to get deep now it was to do with um, it was sexual mm. you know um, when you've experienced like childhood uh, abuse and sexual abuse you um, um, you're affected in a way that sometimes you don't realise and so for me it was um, uh, my coping mechanism was going numb right mm. and just just tensing up so I could cope with my situation, you know, and that kind of led into my adult life. It, you know, during, before that point, I was like, yeah, whatever. And then it got to a point where I really started caring more about myself and wanting to feel good about my body. And that's my, that was my trigger, you know, because things were happening in my, in my relationship where I was like, this doesn't feel good, but it was really affecting me at that point. Yeah. And then that's kind of what hit me. Did your family know? Did anybody know this was happening yeah. to you? Uh, during, like, you know, so I didn't reveal it to my family until I was, um, I'm 38 now, and it, I revealed it a few years ago, so,
2: 2015. And how did that go? How did you reveal yeah. it?
3: You know, I had my, my own counselling,
2: Okay.
3: so my own, um, my own healing, and then part of that journey for me was to reveal mm-hmm. because I felt like it was a burden I was holding, you know, and sometimes you know, growing up as a child, especially um, in our like my community culture, it's you know that you've should say community culture, um, black black culture, um, kind of um, keeping these secrets mm. and you know not talking about your business and things like that. Mm. And I realized that I didn't want to hold that that secret anymore because um, it was it was weighing on me, and I felt that it was important to share that with my family. And um, so, how did. did you do that? yeah you know I because you because obviously
2: um you've lived in Canada mm-hmm. for how long now? seven years seven years, so Londoner in Canada. so did you come over to tell them?
3: Yes, yeah, so initially what I did, I wrote letters. Okay. I wrote letters to um the so so this particular um abuse is called intrafamilial abuse okay. where it's the, the it's a known family member and cool. it's very very common. And um so I wrote letters to like my mother, I wrote letters to him, my cousins um because I had girl cousins at the time and I was like, well, did anything happen to them right mm. and so i wrote to them but with the intention that i would go and see people face to face yeah um but i wanted to kind of break the ice in that way and that's what worked for me so it's important to work with people to you know help them with their triggers Get them to that point where they feel empowered to, to make the steps that's right for them, yeah. and that was right for me. Yeah. Um. And it's uh, it's not everyone can do that, but you know, this it's important to find a way to heal, and that was important for me. So I wrote letters, and that must um, have been like scary one writing yeah. the letter.
2: Can you imagine yeah. writing the letter, then yeah. sending that letter, and then knowing like like I got the post from Canada. Hurry up. When yeah. when's it getting there? And like I guess thinking, have they read it? Has anybody seen yeah. it? I mean somebody call you or message yep. you as soon as they Yeah.
3: who was the first person? He was oh, I just going to say well, he for now yeah. he was the first person to call me and it was funny because usually you send a mail from Canada it takes like a week mm. it got there in two days uh-huh. over a bank holiday
2: Yeah. Some, wow. somebody
3: wanted that to get there there quickly. was so, it, it didn't mm. even it didn't even make sense how fast it got there but it mm-hmm. did and um, you know I went through this these, a lot of emotions However, I felt relief, and and it was I felt much lighter, and um, no regrets, no regrets. And since then, I've you know obviously come back to London, seen my family face to face, and um, one important step was facing people. Um, But I had to get myself right first. Mm -hmm. I had to make sure that I was in a position to, um, you know, I had to go through things to raise my self esteem, and to and to really understand. Um, the whole nature of abusive situations, and um, um, I myself was in a domestic violent relationship as well. So as I was listening to Natasha, um, you know, hearing her say that you know you form your beliefs and that you know you um, you like carry on into adulthood, it's 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 so true, you know. And we think it's okay, we got this, we're an adult now, mm. and we don't realize that it's still in us, yeah. right? Carrying all this baggage, yeah,
2: yeah. But um. So you said he got it first. Mm-hmm. So what did he say when he called you?
3: He said, sorry. I didn't re- he didn't realise that it had affected me to that point, mm. you know, because I tried to kill myself when I was younger. Oh. Um, hence, this is why I got into suicide awareness workshops, so I could um, go into schools and I could let people know that this is a subject that needs to be spoken about. There's very taboo subject around, you know. Mm. Um, um, there's a lot of... Um, Misconceptions about people who are doing this or, or who suicide, but so many people think about it, and I always say that it's not that they want to die it's they just don't want to live yeah and that's how I felt um, and he said he didn't realize, and that kind of made him think, oh this was a big deal yeah um, and um, yeah, he apologized wow you- it, was, um, it was interesting <laughs> I wasn't expecting it
2: so that's how you kind of i guess dealt dealt with it with your family did you mm. have you ever had the chance to kind of sit down with your your mom natasha or even your your stepfather and kind of say this is this is how you hurt me growing up this is how this affected me
1: with my mom it's it's interesting because we all talk about it and uh, Kind of tension fills the room, and I think sometimes um, children that have grown up around d- domestic violence they still have that need to protect their parents. So they don't like to talk about it because mm. they don't want their parents to carry any more, you know, guilt. We don't want them to to feel bad, and you know, even you know, now as an adult, I still feel like I want to protect her by not saying too much about it. Yeah. Um, Stepfather, um, absolutely not. He um, doesn't acknowledge anything that he's done. Um, I, I f- quite about six years ago, we saw him somewhere, and he said to somebody, "Why is, about me?" He said, "Why is she so angry? Why is she so angry?
2: Yeah.
1: Why do you so, think?" Oblivious. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's kind of transpired with some other family members as well because there was a situation. When um, I went, because I went into care because of the, the domestic violence, and my uncle took me into care, so it's kinship care. And the yeah. first thing he said to me was, This is all your
2: fault. Wow. So this this is, you know. So he, bl- he was blaming you for you going into care? I,
1: as, I, I mean, as a, as a 15, 14 year old, the way I took it was everything that we'd experienced was my fault. So the the domestic violence. My mum attempted suicide. Um, she, I, I witnessed her um, being strangled and um, attempted to be raped. So um, whatever that meant, I took all that in and took it as my fault. So I absolutely believed him for years. And it took a long time to... To believe that it wasn't my fault, and also he came back into our lives about two years ago. My mum, my mum, when my grandparents died, my mum got into this kind of frame of mind that she just wanted the family to be together to mend, mm. you know, mend things. And I wasn't quite ready for that yet. And um, but he, he was present again, and it really reached. It brought trauma back, and I mm. thought, oh, how am I going to deal with this? Everybody's embracing each other again, and I'm just not there. And um, he sent me a message on Facebook and just said, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for for everything. And that's all I needed to hear from him, to be honest. Um, you know, the, it didn't have to be a massive gesture. I just wanted to hear that you were sorry for that because I carried that for all my years into adult life and it took me a long time to unpack that because it affected, as, you know, Corrine said... Everything,
2: mm.
1: you know, there wasn't an area where I, I didn't carry that in, and, and you know, said sorry for things that I shouldn't have said yes when I shouldn't have said no. You know, yeah. it, all those things they it. it, it makes a difference in so for him to say sorry it made a massive difference but it still had to do some work
2: on myself it was your uncle that said sorry for saying those things to you yeah, yeah yeah
1: not 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 um the perpetrator he's absolutely not um he doesn't feel any remorse for anything he's done I'm not surprised though because of the different things that he tried to do to us and mm-hmm. my mum um, you know, there's there's a root of evil in there that yeah. he's, he's not ready to, to process. And until he does that, he's not going to see the, the truth of his actions, so he's not going to acknowledge mine.
2: It's interesting, kind of like family dynamics when it comes to these things, how, you know, you, you've got your uncle there kind of trying to blame you and your mum dealing with all these things. And then, then Karina, then you've got you kind of letting all your family know this is happening. And,
3: I mean, cousins, how did your... Mm. Did, I mean, did it happen to any of your other cousins? Um, Well, apparently no, um, or I just say no. Mm. Um, But there was a divide. Mm. There was definitely a divide between um, the people that kind of believed me, even though he admitted it. Mm. There was still this, um, it was difficult for some people to accept. Some people felt I shouldn't have said anything. I should have just kept it quiet because now... There's a secret that's out. yeah, And and some people don't want to deal with that. Um, And it was, you know, I I had to go into this with an expectation that I'm doing this because this is important for me. And there may be people that may not be, uh, may not get it or understand. Now, the key to this is I have, I have forgiven him. Mm. and I had to let that go and I realised that was part of my healing because otherwise I would carry the healing and that was part of my burden um, but what it was is some people don't understand um, child abuse, especially when it goes on for a long period of time and then you don't say anything for mm. a long period of time some people think they make up their you know stories well, maybe she, she wanted it or maybe it didn't happen, like why now? Yeah um, And I put that down to lack of education and lack of understanding um, as to, I guess, the mechanics of it, you know, and as a child, when you have someone that's close to you, there's a part of you that loves this person, Mm. but then there's a part of you that also fears this person. You know, and that becomes your your personality in a way. Um, and you have really low self-esteem. And I didn't realize that um, And you get into relationships as an adult and you're like, OK, I really want this person. But then sometimes you accept a lot of things that you wouldn't normally accept um, because you're confused in the same way you were confused when you were a child. Mm. Um, so that can lead into sometimes accept, accepting domestic violence um, and those kind of situations, low self-esteem. When I had a breakdown, um, I
1: isolated myself. Had to go and I, I had an absolute breakdown. And had to go and live with my my mum, mm. back in Birmingham, and um, every, I, everybody around me. I li- I, li- I lost a lot of friends because I became a party girl yeah. um, as as a cover for the pain. Um, and then I just isolated myself and had this breakdown. So everybody had dropped off the radar. But then there were people that were like, "Where, where have you been? I'm angry with you. You're not here. You're not around anymore." And um, I remember I'd had a panic attack, and I um, saw this text from somebody saying, "Where have you been? You're not around anymore." And I thought, "I've had enough of this." And I, I wrote, um, I actually wrote a blog, <laughs> <laughs> and just put it all out there and sent it to them all yeah so I, re- I even though it wasn't a letter I, s- I i sent this link um to this blog that i'd i'd, I'd wrote and and
2: just said look here you go yeah. so but it had I the same sort of me. impact yeah what did can you if you explain a tiny bit what was in this blog what did you say to them
1: it was about um some of the suicidal um experiences that i'd had because i had attempted um to to end things as well um and I, I was talking about the you know growing up around what I'd, i had what i'd seen how i felt um did they know what you'd gone through no
2: yeah no so. even
1: my dad didn't know um until about 5 years ago which i found i actually just assumed he knew actually mm. um so when i t- i said to him this is how it was i said i didn't know and i was were you, did you see him growing up <laughs> sometimes yeah. <laughs> I mean when um, whilst we had the perpetrator in our lives my dad I I feel like he wasn't allowed to be around but I don't but then there's an, also a part of me that feels like he just didn't make enough effort <laughs> yeah. at the same time um, so I I was completely shocked and, and disappointed that he didn't know that that was going on because um, I, I, I assumed I, I thought he knew mm. I did um, so when he said he didn't I was just like
2: what? I guess, I guess in life, um, was... Grow, especially growing up when you're a child and as you get into kind of adulthood you think people know the things that happen to you kind yeah. of growing up but sometimes people I guess put their head in the sand or kind of are absent and not clear yeah. and particularly within the black community as you said when it's kind of like you know children must be seen and not heard and things and so it's the whole communication thing yeah. so then it's like actually you never said anything he never asked he never he asked, never asked any questions yeah. he never asked any questions and so then mm-hmm. the topic was never uh, never um, discussed yeah. and then you, you come to you know as is five years before and it's like mm. how can you not know but then when the communication's not there then I guess it, you can see how it, how easy it is for someone not to know
1: yeah for it to just kind of go over their heads I mean the, I mean the only reason why because me and my dad are much closer now um, my dad. The, the irony of all of this is that my dad um, has worked in mental health all my life
0: <laughs> wow. he's
1: a um, psychiatric nurse he's now like a modern matron and so when I had my breakdown he um, was mortified yeah. and didn't know what to do yeah. about, with me or about it
2: Was he, was he upset that he had noticed the signs?
1: I think so i think he carries carried and carries a lot of guilt because of that he's his wife is also a psychiatric nurse so he kind of just said take her and make sure she's okay mm. <laughs> um, because he couldn't handle it mm. he, he he was around and he'd be like are you okay mm. um and i remember once i was at his house and i was you know still going through it all and going through cancelling, and he said, you know, are you okay? And I said, M- my head is in pain. Mm. <laughs> you know, it was, the, it was the only way I could explain it. And even as a mental health nurse, but I think it was because I'm his child, yeah, he course. kind of, he sort of went, what does that mean? Mm. And I said, Dad, it's, it's how I feel. My, my Everything hurts. My, my My mind hurts. Everything I'm carrying hurts. And he just sort of couldn't handle it. Mm. He, he he was there but he he was just there as much as he could be but he didn't delve into anything cuz i just think he found it too painful Yes,
2: no parent wants to see their child in pain yeah. and then especially when you th- you work in an industry you think you should have the skills to do of this and then it, it it all goes out the window yeah. i guess when it's your and, child and
1: also thinking where was i throughout yeah. all of that you know there's lot there's so many
3: things to it it it's quite difficult mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, um, I'm, that's interesting because um, that's that's the key. That's why communication is key. Mm. Um, communication with yourself and trying to understand yourself and then being able to communicate with someone else so then you don't have the assumptions mm. um, because that's what happens. You assume one thing the other person's assuming and then you're not meeting in the middle. Mm. And what I found in being able to learn how to communicate clearly was that it relieved me and it also broke down the barrier and yes there was discomfort in that yeah. but then there was freedom in that afterwards and there's you, you form a, a closer bond that's what happens if, if the two people come to that place of honesty mm. um, like with my father when I told him initially he, was, he didn't know how to take it mm. and I had to accept that you know, and he had his own stuff going on. Maybe he felt that he wasn't, well, this is what I found out later on, that he felt that he wasn't there for me.
2: Yeah, um, That he should have been able to stop it, maybe.
3: Yeah, that he wasn't there for me. And, and, you know, this pain that he was in that he weren't able to express, you know. My dad never expressed anything emotionally to me. So suddenly now, why should that be different? Yeah. Um, but I still had to do what I had to do, but except that he needed he needed time. Um, and then we're, we're much closer now um, because there isn't that, space in between right so it can be really beneficial to 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 heal that's 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 what it's about right absolutely mm. i mean
2: you talk about your friends that were um, that didn't know what was going on and weren't there for you they were kind of I guess angry at you for (laughs) for for not being there I mean do you what's life like now I mean do you have friends that are there for you that you know that you can talk to if you're feeling if you're feeling down if you're feeling anxious if you just want to talk have you kind of got a circle a tribe just people that you know I guess are your cheerleaders or your kind of support network
3: I've got amazing friends around me and it's because I became my biggest cheerleader mm-hmm. so because nice. I became my biggest cheerleader I attracted people into my life that was right for me and I was able to to make those um, those judgments mm-hmm. I guess and I didn't have um, I'm, I became um, the the creator of of my life and people that were in my life and if it wasn't serving me and I spiritually didn't feel yeah. that it was serving me I I was able to step back and walk away with the peace of mind that maybe I wouldn't have had when I was younger and that comes when you you raise your self esteem and you have more belief in who you are and you understand who you are why you've done the things you've done and um, you 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 empower yourself in that way. And so I'm in a I'm in a great place and I have great friends and because I can be 100% myself and I know what that is now yeah. whereas I didn't before. And I think that's the point of being able to be with yourself. I think having a kind of a
2: sisterhood and girlfriends around you is important. And so it's amazing that you've managed to find that with, for yourself now. What about you, Tash? Um I have
1: amazing friends as well um friends that know all sides of me except who i am like you said um you can be yourself entirely Mm. i didn't always have that um i built my self-esteem on as many friends as i could get i actually got labeled the pied piper (laughs) (laughs) because i the more friends i had the better i felt about myself yeah and so the my experience um meant that a lot of people got shed, Um, you know, my healing experience, my Mm. recovery experience a lot of people fell away a lot of people I had to walk away from and um, it's been absolutely necessary and I'm now I have a lot less friends but I have the best friends, I've got you know, people that are absolutely right for me
2: you two, I'm just so proud of you, (laughs) just hearing what you guys have done and what you're doing and you know, it takes so much strength and bravery and and, and I can't wait for um, to see what the future holds more for you both of your companies because it's great that you're you're do taking charge and doing things independently and building your own business to make an impact in this way. Karine, if you could go
3: back and tell your younger self anything, what advice would you give your younger self? So there's some there's some I guess uh, some tools that I use when um, people have experienced trauma, um, and it's called inner child, and it's basically going back and giving. Uh, that part of you what it needs right what it needed to hear Mm. um and i would tell myself that um things are going to turn out just fine yeah and you are amazing and you are loved and you will be fine you'll be more than fine you know and and to to trust in yourself Mm. because you got this (laughs) and um you know because ultimately you can never take that experience away so it's just about um for me, I always say identifying that need as a child, yeah. like what is still screaming at you now while you're making these, uh, I guess, mistakes that you make in life um, or, or decisions that you're, you know, has come down on yourself for. Um, what do you what did you need ultimately? And it's always comes down to love. Yeah. Um, and I will go back and just give love to to my childhood self and um, say, you know, things will be things will be great. Things will work out. I love you. Mm. I love you. I love yeah. you. I love yeah. You,
2: Tasha, too. Yeah, you too. I love you. <laughs> it's like yeah, a lo- it's loving, lots love, lots of love in the, the room. room. Exactly. Lots of love in this room tonight. Um, <laughs> so, what would you say, Tasha, to your like, younger self?
1: Oh, um, very similar things um, to love yourself. You are loved. Mm. Um, you don't need lots of friends to acknowledge your self worth. Um, the guilt isn't yours to carry. Mm. Um, everything you'll be surprised at how things will turn out for you if you trust your own instinct trust that gut trust that thing that screams at you that you you know that you don't always listen to listen to it and um you will
2: learn so much It's interesting how, um, you know, you two, you know, you grew up in London, you grew up in Birmingham, and you've had kind of like vastly different lives, but very similar experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people don't realise how many people are going through what you guys have gone through. And so, you know, you know, if people are listening, and they're kind of sitting at home and thinking, I'm here all alone, nobody understands what I'm going through. What advice would you give those people? What should they be doing to kind of try and bring themselves out of this situation?
1: I guess find find it in yourself somewhere to to speak out about it, um, whether it's talking to a friend, writing it down, you know, writing it down for both of us in different ways was open doors. Something that I um, always hear from people about the turning point in their lives and it's, it always comes down to just one person that turns around to you and says I believe in you, mm. I, you know, I, I'm here for you, I care. You can speak to that person, you can get some mm. help that way or you can reach out to a support service like, like ours um, and talk to somebody and, and get that help and just know you're not alone. You are not alone even if you feel that way. There's lots of people out there um, that are are going through similar things or have and there are people out there that will listen to you
2: Facebook is my favourite kind of like social media, no Facebook and Instagram actually, Instagram yes. first is my favourite, <laughs> <laughs> then Facebook as a social media network that I use. And, and recently on Facebook, I've been seeing a lot of people talk about and just being quite honest about, you know, going through maybe depression or having thoughts of suicide. And so it, it, it just goes to show that writing has been quite, I guess, mm-hmm. cathartic for them to kind of talk about how they've been feeling and their situation. And I remember attending um, one of your workshops, yeah. Natasha, and one of the things that um, I, I took away from that workshop was a lot of the time you ask somebody, you know, how are you? And you know, most people just say, "What do they say? Fine, I'm fine. right? Exactly, okay, I'm exactly. Good. Yeah, that's <laughs> what you know. That's the blanket go-to statement. I'm fine. I'm good. And actually you know p- probably half of those people aren't fine they yeah. aren't good and it's like how do you how do you get to know if that person is or isn't good and i liked one of the things that you said were, it was instead of saying to people um how are you say like you know from a, number 1 to 10 you know like one being um you know I yeah. guess rubbish 10 being I mean you could probably yeah, explain so it a bit better n-
1: one is kind of the, the I guess the lowest yeah. um, 10 is the happiest you could ever feel and um, I've got a friend who we do that we check in with each other all the time so what number are you today mm. and that will you know we'll, we'll know how each other how each other are just from saying that and we'll know how to to, to comfort each other or what to do to help one another by by, by just that's real simple thing and um, there's, you know there's so many ways that you can relate to each other and, and find ways to if you don't want to go into it, you don't want to talk about it, you just you, you can just say that and that communicates it for you.
2: Yeah, because from people listening to this episode, one of the things that I wanted them to kind of take away is a way of kind of relating to friends and to talking to their fr- friends or even family members and just knowing um, something that they can do that simple that yeah. they can find out if people are o- really OK. And so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to do that. You know, you know, So, how are you today, mm-hmm. Karine, from a... Say, 1 to 10 How I'm
3: you,
2: a 10 you're a 10 Ooh, I'm a 10 you're that's a 10 good. I'm a new
3: auntie today oh, okay. Okay. I, I watched my sister <laughs> give birth and it's amazing and it's new life and it's amazing and I would say um, be honest
2: mm-hmm.
3: the minute you say you're you know fine and you're, you're good and you're not you're lying to yourself mm. and um, I, that's important for me to be honest and um, for you to be honest with yourself so, so definitely, just um um sometimes we're always in the future, we're always thinking, okay, we need to say this because yeah. we don't want this to happen next, and I would just say to people, be honest with yourself in the moment, and it's okay not to be okay, yeah, you know, it's okay not to say, you know, I'm not great, mm-hmm. but I will be or I'm getting there, you know or or I'm I tend to say I'm good and I'm great, and I might not be feeling it, but mm. i'm 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 speaking it, right? So I can start thinking that I'm good and I'm and I'm great so I can not focus on feeling crappy or focus on feeling bad, you know? And sometimes we focus on things that we don't want. And I'm a firm believer in focusing on the opposite, right? Yeah. So I would say be honest with yourself and and if you want to let other people know how how you're feeling just yeah be honest you know because someone that cares will continue the conversation Mm. or and if they don't and they don't want to have that conversation that's okay you were honest with with how you were doing and that's what counts and and maybe somebody else will yeah I mean
2: as black women I'm sure sure you're used to used to and I know I'm used to kind of growing up and you know one seeing a lot of strong black women around me but then two um, you know there's that saying when it's like oh you know you were told what have you got to cry about, or mm-hmm. not to cry, or not to show, not yeah. to show emotion um, when things are wrong, or if you're in, or if you're unhappy. And I think a lot of us don't realise how much those words affect us and dami- and how damaging it is. Um, as you grow older, and so I think there's a lot of kind of learned behaviour that, as women and as black women, that we have to change um, to be able to be open and to be honest with ourselves, and to also be able to be emotional because i think a lot of the times black women aren't expected to be emotional and and if they are it's um it's taken very differently exactly Mm -hmm. it is taken differently and 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 that really gets me angry when 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 that happens because it's like why why are we not allowed to be sad why are we not allowed to be angry and why are our emotions not valid like everybody else's emotions and so i think that um you know my friends and your friends and anybody who's listening, it's kind of just just don't be afraid to just say what you think, yeah. say how you feel, really and authentic be authentic. exactly. and if people around you can't take it, then you've probably got the wrong people around you. Absolutely. Like get get rid of them out of your life. you don't need them
3: and I, And I will say as well. It's, it, we're saying it, mm-hmm. but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. No. When you've lived behind um, a shell mm-hmm. or, be, you know, you've lived in this this body and this persona that you've been using for so long. Yeah. How do you find out who you really are to be your authentic self? Yeah. So it's important to commit to that journey. Um, you know, Natasha mentioned getting help and seeking help and reaching out. Mm. Reaching out to people like myself, like counselors, like um, life coaches, um, and being committed to finding out who you really are. And I find that when you do that, so many other things fall into place. And it's so much easier to be authentic when you find that out, you know, when you really know who you are. Mm. And um, and understand, like you said, um, what your upbringing has Kind of done to you, mm. you know. What are the beliefs that are holding you back and stopping you from flowing and succeeding in life, and really being becoming aware of that? And it, it changes your life. Changed mine. Yeah. Changed my clients, and yeah. can change yours too. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Thank you, ladies. I I think that you know this conversation's just been so eye-opening for me and just hearing what you both have been through it's um, amazing that you've been so resilient to come on the other side and to turn something that was negative into a positive and to help other people now so you know I'm sure there's going to be hundreds thousands you know going to be kind of reaping the rewards of your help so thank you for what you're doing now and for being so open with your story because it can't be easy to talk about it but you've come for a long way to be able to do that
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Anik.
2: It's been great. So, Karine, how can people find you if they want to kind of access your services and things? I mean, Mm -hmm. tell us what services can can they get access to and how can people get in touch with you?
3: Okay. So, um, I counsel, um, obviously, in person. I'm in um, Canada, but I also do online counseling. Okay, nice. Um, And I do... um, So, people Skype? Yep, Skype. Mm. I use Skype um, and it works really well. Um, so anyone can reach me anywhere in the world, pretty much, and and I just make it work. And so you can, I do that. So one to one sessions, and um, I do my suicide awareness workshop. I, the mm. the certification I have, I can practice it globally. So um, I can even do some in the UK if any organisation wants to become more suicide aware. Um, I can come and do it's like a half day workshop. Yeah, um, and it's. Um, it's you know that you can find more information out so i give my website out it's um Daniels, so um and if you go on there, you'll find out about how to contact me. Um, I'm also um, developing some really exciting coaching packages, um, and um, I'm trying to create a movement called Self Ease Movement, and it's mm. new. It's coming soon, and the idea is that ease, self ease, yes, mm. to ease yourself yeah so many people like earlier on you mentioned mental health being a thing and we need mental well uh, we need to be well Mm -hmm. you know mental health we all have yes so i always say that physically we go gym we kind Mm -hmm. of look after ourselves physically but we need to look after ourselves mentally as well definitely mental wellness is something that we all need to take care of i completely agree and this is part of the movement so i'm going to get these um um these uh, courses out soon it's going to be exciting and and it's for everyone you yes. know, it's
2: amazing. So, yeah. and what about Exciting. you, Natasha? How can people get in touch with you, and access your services, and find out what you do?
1: So, um, you can find free on mi- information about free your mind on www.freeyourmindcic.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll find out about how you can get um, access to our peer support services, um, our support group, um, in the various different ways that we give out that support, um, and then. You can find me at, well, you'll find me either way, but you'll find me also at www.natashakbenjamin.com and that's um, around my coaching work and my Reiki healing work as well. And I also have a self-care course that I launched this year. um, So you can buy that and work through it yourself Mm. at the same time.
2: Amazing, amazing. So just to finish, I just want you to say one thing. What is the one thing that helps you kind of put you in, in, I guess, a good place mentally kind of thing? So for me, it's netball. I love playing netball, running around on the court, playing sport. And it kind of just puts me in a great zone and a good mental space.
3: For me, meditation.
2: Nice. Every day. Natasha?
3: Me, um, Reiki, self-healing.
2: That's what's good for us. So, you know, let us know what's good for you. Kind of tweet us, um, go on Instagram and let us know. So, thank you for listening. And, guys, ladies, thanks for joining. Thank, thank you. you. Angela Griffin is an incredibly talented actress. Her experience is so diverse, it spans soap, drama, and film. This year, we honoured her at the Black Magic Awards and I'm so excited to hear her story.
0: My name is Angela Griffin and I am an actress. I realised that I wanted to be an actress when I was five years old. Um, I went to a children's workshop in Leeds and I got the book then. Uh, I loved pretending to be someone else. So my first big break in TV was probably when I was 16 years old, when I was offered the role of Fiona Middleton in Coronation Street. And I got that part um, just through an audition. I'd got an agent when I was 11 years old and been up for various things, but Coronation Street was the big break. And initially I went into it just for one episode. I think I had four lines. I did one week there. And then a couple of weeks later, I got a a call asking if I'd go back and do another couple of episodes. And five and a half years later, um, Fiona was a, a staple on Coronation Street. Very, very early on in my career, actually the first week that I filmed at Coronation Street, I was late and I got shouted at in front of the whole Coronation Street cast. And you know, there were a few legends in there at that time. And the director shouted at me across the dinner room, telling me that if I ever expected to make it in this business, then I better pull my socks up. Then who did I think I was coming onto his set and not apologising to him? And I was 16 and it was one of the most terrifying things that's ever happened to me. And I thought I'd messed it up. I thought that was it, I'd done it. I was never going to work again. I did work again, five and a half years on Coronation Street. I don't think i was ever late ever again. In fact, I have a real thing in my head about being late. So maybe he taught me something. Got to turn those negatives around, don't you? The qualities that you need to work as an actress are a thick skin, you're gonna get so many no's. You're not gonna look right, you're not gonna talk right, you're not gonna walk right and You have to take every single one of those criticisms and you can't let them break you. You've got to let it make you. You've got to be passionate. You've got to want it. You can't be embarrassed. You've got to be prepared to take risks. And that means putting yourself right out there, making yourself really, really vulnerable and not always necessarily getting what you think you deserve. That thick skin will come in really handy. I think probably one of my biggest accomplishments so far is just the fact that I'm still working. (laughs) I've still got a job. I'm still managing to make a living as an actress 25 years after, after starting. It's such a hard business. It's so hard and there's so many ups and so many downs. And yeah, my biggest accomplishment is that I'm still here. I'm still working. I'm hoping that I am a role model for those kids who weren't born in London who've got a northern voice who didn't train who maybe come from a more working class background that you can have a career and you can be successful yeah that's 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 what I really hope I really really hope I can do that and inspire some young mixed race girl from up north to follow a dream and work really really hard at it For anybody looking up to me who wants to be where I am, knuckle down, man. Really, really knuckle down. Don't think that this is a career that you can do half-hearted. It's full-time. There's so many sacrifices to make, whether it be your time and your energy or your family life. You've got to want it so much and you've got to be prepared to fail because you do fail pretty much if you're lucky, you fail as many times as you succeed. Be passionate, be confident, believe in yourself. But most of all, you've got to want it, man. You've got to want it. to really, really, really want it. Not fame, not money, because most of the time you don't get that. You've got to want to act. What influence has my upbringing and my family had on who I am today? absolutely everything. My mum. Just the practical stuff of taking me to auditions, taking me to rehearsals, putting in the time, putting in the effort, believing in me. Like when I'm coming home crying about one thing, just filling me with confidence. She gave me everything. At no point did she ever say, don't be silly, of course you can't. Not ever. It was always, if that's what you want, go for it. And then she supported me along the way. She gave me morals. She gave me structure, and she just really loved me. And so I think I've grown up all right. Thanks, ma'am. A must-read book that changed my life. There is a book. But I was dead young when I read it, and I've not read it for years, but, I, but it really made me think about the world as it was. And it's called Conversations with God, and I'm not very goddy at all. But what it gave me was this ethos, I suppose, in life of whether you believe in God or not. That everything was created for a reason. You can't appreciate the good unless you've got the bad. So you can't appreciate the light being on without the light being off. Got to turn the light off, otherwise, you won't realise it's on, will you?
2: So, this is the magic turn something challenging into something inspiring. Join every episode of the Black Magic podcast by subscribing on the ACAST and iTunes podcast apps. We're also on Stitcher and Player FM. All the women featured in the series we feature featured on the Colour Network website, where you can see videos and images of this year's Black Magic Awards. Do spread the word and share the magic. Thank you for listening.